1: Welcome in to another episode of The Pod is the Roof, the Field of 68's very own UNC basketball podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Karabatsis, or JK, if you can't say the whole name, joined by my co-host, Riley Davis. Listen, I just want to let y'all know, like, we're blood, sweat, and tears for this stuff, man. We're both a little <laughs> under the weather right now. We're a little hoarse with the voices, so bear with us here. But UNC. Over the weekend, finally, finally won a game at JPJ at Virginia, and then tonight we're recording about an hour after the conclusion of the UNC Miami game, which was a ride to say the least. <laughs> Riley, how we doing, man?
2: Oh man, I'm fine. That's I guess that's the only way to put it. I'm annoyed right now. It's probably the most annoyed I've ever been after a win. I uh, <laughs> like how <laughs> we. I just think UNC UNC should have won this game by double digits. They should have won by 15 to 20. We should be on here celebrating R.J. Davis dropping a 40-burger, but the late-game execution was so bad. And on top of it, I'm hoarse from coughing. Allergies have been terrible. Shout-out Punxsutawney Phil. Uh, I believe he said an early spring was coming, our our favorite groundhog. And, uh, yeah, I can't walk outside without my eyes watering. And uh, been on some crazy nasal spray. Some Mucinex trying to curb this. But like you said, we're dedicated to our crafts. We're getting on here for an instant reaction. Uh Recapping Carolina's last two games, frustrations and all through the wins. But, hey, you know what? Let's turn it positively. If we got stuff to complain about during a win, that means we're back up. So, I'll take it as opposed to these last couple of years where we've had more confounding losses than bad wins.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, 100%. Like, he, trying to look at it, you know, the glass is half full. Um, it's, I like the pucks of Tony Phil shout too, because (laughs) they were on my man. They tried to say bro was a system groundhog. And I I just wasn't, I just wasn't with those allegations. He's, he's turned up on y'all. So if you were a, a Phil doubter, I hate to tell you, man, he's, he's back. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, we'll start with the Virginia game on Saturday. You know, anyone who watched knows this was just an absolute offensive firepower show. High scoring. Okay, you know, I'm obviously kidding here. This was a 98 combined point game. I think the over under was set at like 130, which me, anything over like 125, if Virginia's playing, I'm probably hammering the under. So, I mean, <laughs> that's just the way I'm looking at it. But 54 to 44, UNC wins. RJ Davis has like his worst game of the season. But Cormac Ryan was there to save the day, capping off a three-game stretch in which he was like 42% from three, which is, it's nice. Now, he did struggle Mm -hmm. tonight, but I still like what we've seen in three out of the last four games from Cormac. Seems like he's figuring it out at the right time. Riley, biggest takeaways from the game at Virginia and a little victory lap because all these Virginia fans, for some reason, were in our mentions about our prediction here.
2: Yeah, we did have a lot of Virginia fans who were chirping about uh, us laughing at their anemic offense. I think that was what one comment said, and it's like, I thought it was hilarious. There were some Virginia fans who were commenting on their own Twitter account saying, like, they didn't really say anything that was wrong. Uh, One of my big takeaways from it was I thought Carolina played really, really, really good defense. And I know Virginia is offensively challenged, but uh, I thought RJ held his own against Reese Beekman. He kind of got bullied for... Uh, the first two baskets of the game and then uh, was able to keep them in check. I thought Cormac played tremendous defense on Isaac McNeely, just chasing him around screens and denying him the ball. Um, I thought Jalen Washington was fantastic off the bench, especially in the first half with four blocks and not letting them get anything on the interior. So just like the defense as a whole, you know, can't complain when you only give up 44 points. Uh, The offense again, like (laughs) it's funny that, um, you know that game on Saturday. I always thought whenever Carolina broke the streak in Charlottesville, it would be one of those games where I'd want to watch the highlights. I'm not really trying to watch those highlights game. Maybe I'll watch Cormac's highlights. Watch him splash in threes. Uh, it was great to see him have one of his that might probably be his best all around game in a Tar Heel uniform. Um, but yeah, as a whole, I I thought we'd see maybe a little bit better ball movement just because Armando had been passing so well out of double teams, and you know. Virginia loves to do those big-to-big big doubles. I thought we might see Cadeau. I think Cadeau still finished with six assists, but I, I thought we just might be able to see – we just might see them take advantage of Virginia hard-hedging those screens as well and letting Armando make some plays on the short roll. Like, didn't quite, in my opinion, take full advantage of some of the offensive giftings that I think Carolina has to um, expose some of the cracks in the pack line defense. But as a whole, 10.1 on the road against a team that's – had Carolina's number, very few things was I going to find to complain about.
1: Yeah. I mean, I thought it was a very good showing. Um, Jordan minor had his way a little bit in the Mm -hmm. post, um, but it wasn't anything major. Um, I said beforehand, I thought Mondo was going to be a big X factor here. He was, but Cormac was the ultimate X factor. And I think he's just kind of the ultimate X factor in general for this team because when he's hitting shots, it kind of adds a whole new element to this offense in terms of what you have to rotate on, what you have to look out for. Because up you know, up until these last few games, I mean, teams probably felt pretty decent about helping off onto RJ or helping off onto Ingram or helping off onto Armando in the post and leaving Cormac. And we kind of saw it because he was getting a lot of open looks and he wasn't hitting them, but if he starts hitting those takes away the defense's ability to help off. The only guy they can really help off of would be Cadeau. Um, it's, it just adds a whole new layer. Um, and then, yeah, I, I thought Jalen Washington, when Armando got in foul trouble, came in the game and was just absolutely massive. Now you look at the box score and you're like, what the heck? He only had one in six. But I'm telling <laughs> you, those 12 minutes he was out there, the defense, probably the best defense I've seen him play this year. He was on the glass. He was doing all the little things right. And, you know, RJ had an off night, which he obviously countered tonight. But the, the main thing I would say is this is just another one of those games where it's like, dude, I just, I still get a little upset because to me, there is no world in which Harrison Ingram should only take six shots in an entire game. Mm-hmm. And yeah, any it's like, dude, why do they not run more stuff for him? I still don't get it.
2: Yeah, I, and I know, I mean, he took 13 shots tonight yeah. <laughs> against Miami. A little maybe overcorrection, but yeah, I had the same thought. Like he's, you know, he had that play that uh, Hubert drew up that, that uh, the double screen for him that got him free underneath the dunk. Shout out to my guy, Trevor Marks. I got to give him credit for breaking it down. He does film breakdowns for Inside Carolina um, and highlighted that on Twitter. But yeah, like there was some good stuff ran for him. Yeah, I just would like to see Carolina do it a little bit more I guess um but just yeah find ways to get him shots especially only one he only took one three which uh, going into the game I thought we were going to see a lot of pick and pops from Harrison or just a lot more opportunities for him to shoot because I I think you need a four man that can stretch out that defense like if you had told me Harrison Ingram only took one shot or excuse me only one three-pointer and if you showed me RJ stat line i I would be like, "Are you serious? Carolina just lost to Virginia again. Like this Virginia team,
1: but hey,
2: yeah, Cormac Ryan again. I guess.
1: I think that's the issue. Is like Ingram. I mean, he's pretty much been a big, a big bucket maker all year. But I think in certain situations, like tonight, it gets a little hard because when you go from six shots to thirteen shots, that's like putting you in a completely new rhythm." I yeah. just want Ingram to be at that nine nine shots to ten shots a game. He's in rhythm. They go to him a few times for some mismatched post-ups, some open right. threes. And, yeah, I know he shot three of 13 tonight, but, you know, we saw it against Duke. Like, he was fantastic in that game. He's the guy. Him and Cormac are the two guys that can completely change things, whether that be for the, for the better or for the worse for this group. Because – Feel pretty confident. We we know for the most part what we're getting with Cadot. We definitely know what we're getting with Mondo and RJ. And then Ingram and Cormac are the two guys where it's like if we can start running stuff for them and they can continue to hit open looks, it completely changes everything. But I, it feels good, man. First time we've won in Virginia since 2012, so I'm, I'm not I'm not gonna complain. Although I think this Virginia team is is pretty bad. I, I'm I'm not gonna complain at all. Do you have any more? Virginia thoughts before we move on. Hmm.
2: I mean, Jalen Withers gave good minutes off the bench too, so good. To, good to see him get comfortable in this like twelve minute game role. Uh, anything? Any other thoughts about Virginia? I don't know if they're gonna get back to where they were, and not even national title good. I'm just talking like ACC contender good. It, it's like this roster. I mean, you have Andrew Rody. Uh, who's a St. Thomas transfer, who his, he was basically their point guard last year, really good in transition. And he's playing in the, the team that ranks 350th in Ken Palm's tempo. Um, your best athlete, Elijah Gertrude, he's hardly getting any minutes and uh, he could end up in the portal. Beekman's gone after this year and they just have nobody that can create offense for them. They need some, like, I think Tony Bennett is a, fantastic in-game coach a fantastic developer of culture and you know all that cliche stuff uh, his resume speaks for itself but when you look at this roster and you think about those great virginia teams where you had malcolm brogdon or justin anderson or you you had kyle guy even like all those dudes played alongside steady point guards like london Perantes types or ty jerome uh, and beekman has been that he's a steady in hand who can One of the, uh, probably the best perimeter defender, the best on-ball defender in the ACZ can create for others, can get buckets every once in a while, but he, he needs a running mate. And I just don't know if this is going to change for Virginia.
1: No, I mean, it's, it's tough. This is like one of those teams where Reese Beekman, he'll probably get a shot on a Mm two-way or something like that because he's such a good defender. But there's just simply put no more NBA talent on that team. And Virginia teams of the past have had at least one to two NBA guys. I mean –
2: You got Ryan Dunn, but he'll be – I mean, he'll be a draft pick more because of potential.
1: Yeah, it's like – It's not like like DeAndre Hunter. Yeah, there's no DeAndre Hunter. There's no Brogdon. There's no Ty Jerome. There's no Kyle guy. Like, you know, I even look – I mean, Jesus, Jay Huff, like – is on the Nuggets roster now. It's like guy, like they don't Sam have Sam
2: Hauser for your Celtics.
1: Yeah, Sam, hey, the sniper himself. Um, so I mean, there's just they just don't have those guys anymore, man. And I don't know if that's because Tony is a little bit like Izzo and he's just not really cooking in the portal like that. Um I think for those type types of coaches, it's going to be pivotal in in this these next two seasons to really get in their bag and try to get people to to transfer there because I'm telling you, man, like it's look look at what UNC did in the portal. You know, like it's, it's make or break, man. And for Mm -hmm. Virginia right now, it's break, but on the Jalen Withers thing, you already know, man, we love taking Withers victory laps. So how about this from my guy, Adrian Atkinson. Okay. You know, he's a, another guy kind of like Mr. Marks does a lot of breakdowns, excess, no stuff, Carolina wise. So UNC's had nine lineups that have played at least 20 minutes together this season. The three most efficient ones all include Jalen Withers. The most efficient one is Cadeau, R.J., Ingram, Withers, and Baycott, which is a plus 46.1 in 41 minutes, which is insane. Then you got Davis, Cormac, Ingram, Withers, Baycott at plus 34.5 in 39 minutes. And then you've got Davis, Trimble, Cormac, Withers, and Baycott at a plus 31.2 in 41 minutes. So as harsh as we have been as a fan base on Jalen Withers, the dude comes in and brings energy and makes a positive impact pretty much any time he's on the floor.
2: Yeah, and I think Hubert's been able to sort of counter some of his defensive limitations uh, as far as getting lost on shooters these past two games. That's allowed him to stay on the on the floor, and even tonight, uh, like he, he had some huge buckets and huge, fr- a huge free throws and huge rebounds.
1: He essentially day, won us the game tonight. Yeah,
2: on that offensive <laughs> rebound, and was the only one who could make his free throws down the stretch. Yep, like yeah, Jalen was huge in that game. Again, it's a box score of only four points, four boards uh in eight minutes or in 12 minutes but still yeah his his play was he made the most of it and yeah like you said I don't know if Carolina squeaks out with this win tonight if not for him
1: yeah so I mean it was you saw it all over Twitter it was very Oregon-esque he gets the rebound makes the it's just crazy to me that like I don't know the numbers I'd have to go back and look but the the correlation between UNC shooting bad from the free throw line and either losing or playing in scarily close games is definitely there because we have talked about this on so many occasions. They couldn't shoot free throws against Virginia Tech or not Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech. They shot like 74% or something like that against Clemson. They couldn't shoot free throws tonight. Like that seems to be one of these, one of this. The Achilles' heels of this team. And it really doesn't make sense because, like, Armando is a very improved shooter. RJ is like the best free throw shooter in the freaking ACC. Withers is a guy who hits free throws. Cadeau's gotten better at the free throw line every week. Cormac is an elite free throw shooter. The only guys on the court that are, Ingram's really the only guy on the court that isn't a great free throw shooter. And it's just, it is so perplexing to me. Because this team just has so many games where they cannot hit free throws, especially the big ones, down the stretch. Now that's something they can definitely fix, but yeah, it's a little concerning.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
4: With BetMGM this season, we'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the Field of 68 as we all get ready for the best month of the year, March Madness. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, you can use the bonus code FIELD150 and you will get $150 in free bets on your first wager with BetMGM, regardless of whether or not you win that first bet. Here's the best part. All you need to do is deposit and bet $5 of your hard-earned money. This is how you make it work. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using the bonus code FIELD150. That's FIELD150. Deposit at least $5 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $150 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your bet. Just make sure you use that bonus code FIELD150 when you sign up. And remember... BetMGM is now available in one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient when I have to go cover games in Philly or New York, which happens quite a bit. When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create a new account in each state. It's easy, it's simple, and it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the conference tournaments and for the NCAA tournament. Bet Insurance Tokens college hoops odds boost in my personal favor a nice little parlay boost here and there so download the bet mgm app and sign up today
3: what were your thoughts on the end because unc was up 13 with
1: four minutes left miami comes out in a press and it's like unc had never seen a press before
2: yeah it for one carolina you know what when carolina's last field goal came in the game guess how many minutes were left on the clock
1: let's see so i know the last like seven points were free throws i'm pretty sure so i'm gonna guess that it was probably like the five minute mark
2: 417 it was rj 73 of the night that was the last field goal they made 417 left
1: that's embarrassing
2: it's so bad. And I it happened against NC State. At NC State, they didn't score in the final four minutes. Uh, it happened against Miami the first time. It I think it happened against Clemson at home that last three minutes. They went on a drought. And that to me, yeah, free throws. I still think that this I mean, this team is a good free throw shooting team. They're 75% on the year. I still think tonight and Georgia Tech were outliers, especially Armando going one for six. I mean, he has been pretty reliable at the line all season, especially during crunch time like i think it was in the duke game anytime that duke would sort of cut the t- cut the lead to seven or eight seemed like armando was able to draw a foul and he'd make both free throws he's had big time moments at the charity stripe this whole season to where it's like i i can't believe that he went over it was i think it was over for his last four like didn't even get one of those and just hitting. if you go two for four during that stretch the game is iced it's over you're up two possessions uh and it's way less stressful like that was Mind-blowing to me. And then on top of it, I think some of it was the stall ball where they let the clock run down with three – like they start doing it with three minutes left and just let the shot clock keep going down instead of high ball screen, and it never really works. Um Even at home, you're not getting the foul calls like in those moments. Uh, when, when they run sets or when they – even if they – I know Cadeau had some bad turnovers down the stretch, but when he's running the show, the ball moves. Like you get a good shot. That and then the turnovers, like the, the turnovers were the the most maddening part, where you had do ten seconds. The, the
1: ten second violation was the one for me because it's like, dude. I mean, they they basically did to Carolina what Carolina's done to teams anytime Carolina needs to get back in the game, and it does bother me because I just see little lapses, right? Like one of the turnovers, Ingram was bringing the ball up. Why? Not that Ingram can't handle the ball, but Cadeau and RJ are on the court. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like on the 10 second violation, it's like a lack of awareness. You know, I understand you want to go up the sidelines, then funnel it back to the middle. You don't want to get trapped. You don't want to put yourself in a situation where you're stuck. But it's like, dude, you can't. You also have to be cognizant of the time. Like you're just way too slow, no urgency it just goes back to kind of like the age old thing that I see with UNC basketball. It's like the team just, they suck whenever they're trying to slow the game down. Like that's just not what they do. Mm -hmm. Um, That being said, like, obviously major, major shout out to RJ tonight. I mean, that was just, if RJ doesn't do that, we lose. It's that simple. I mean, it was a masterclass, 42 points on 22 shots, Seven of 11 from three. Y'all was talking all that about Hunter Salas. Like, (laughs) we know who the ACC Player of the Year is. Come on, don't be stupid. But I will say this, like, that's one thing I noticed. You know, RJ hits that last three. It wasn't even just slowing the game down to me. I think that a lot of the guys kind of got caught up in, like, how good RJ was. And the offense just kind of became – Oh, we'll just give it to RJ, he'll ISO, and then he'll make some crazy shot because he's been doing it all night.
2: Yeah, That seemed to be part of it. I think that's spot on. It was like a a sense of complacency where on one hand, it's like, okay, yeah, you're up after that last RJ three, you're up 13 points with four minutes left at home. Um, You're probably in the bonus at that point you're thinking, oh, we're about to get out here. And their defense, the, the crazy part was Carolina played great defense until the final three minutes. <laughs> and part of it was, I feel like we should hit on some positives now um, just because I opened the show talking about how annoyed I was after after a, a win. Uh, but yeah, Carolina played great defense for 37 minutes. I, they, I think – Miami hit some really tough shots. Uh Bensley Joseph looked like prime Chris Smooth for the 2K gamers out there. Um, one of my one of my friends made that comparison before. I can't take I take, can't take credit for that. But it, like they were hitting tough step back threes, like Keyshawn George is a future pro. He got the best, he got the better of Elliot a couple times. Like when when again, that's a six seven wing shooting over a six one guard. It happens in basketball sometimes. Uh, It was a little frustrating to see O'Meara hit four threes, and most of which didn't even have a hand in his face. That's my one complaint with the defense of the night before those last three minutes when they just were turning the ball over and leading to easy buckets. But, yeah, like I I think that's what makes this so frustrating is (laughs) you've played good defense all night. You have a 13-point lead, a good chance to extend it to 15 to 20 and leave tonight thinking like, okay, we handled business against a beaten-up team that was down two starters, did what we were supposed to do, let's carry this momentum into the NC State game. And it was just like a a collapse because it seemed like it was almost too much fanfare around RJ and the rest of the team just watched and thought the game was over.
1: Yeah, it was – it just looked – It just looked like they got caught up in the moment a little bit. And I think when they got up 13, they were like, oh, my God, RJ's got 40. This game's over. I I think they just kind of got a little complacent. But it's just Miami also did just hit some ridiculously tough shots. I mean, if we're being honest, I mean, like you said, Bensley Joseph was incredible. They shot 14 of 30 from three. I mean, They only shot 39% from the field, and they shot 47% from deep. Like, it it was just one of those days. And three-point variance is a frugal, frugal thing. Um, So, it just happens. I mean, I'm I'm just glad they got out of there with a win. It just kind of goes back to what you said. Like, it sucks because you're playing them with no poplar. You're playing them with no pack. And you really just want to crush them. Because you just watched Duke play them with no Pack and no Cleveland, and they beat them by 30. They beat them like a drum at Miami. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you come out, and I understand they've been without Pack and Poplar for – that was the second game, and they've been without Pack for like three or four games. But So they're probably getting a little more used to it. But it's just – that's not a game that should have been close. When they got up 70-57 to – Had they kept it in that range and won by 12 to 15 points, I'd be feeling a lot, a lot better. But, I mean, yeah, now now you got another home game on Saturday against an NC State team that you know is going to come in fired up because, one, you're Carolina, and, two, this could be the win that could take them off the bubble and into the tournament. So, I mean.
2: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it?
1: It's going to get tough, man. Um, What's any final thoughts before on the Miami game and RJ's masterclass before you give your predictions for the final three games of the season?
2: I mean, RJ was delightful to watch. Started early, getting to the hoop, finishing around the basket, and then was just hitting some crazy threes off the bounce. It was the full array of everything. I thought Cade- – I'll give another shot to Cadeau. He set him up great for some of those shots too. Um, yeah, just a special performance. And I am I know I, I said I'm annoyed. I know I've uh, – I can't remember the last time. I was this frustrated after a win. But we got to celebrate it because it was – it truly was special what RJ Davis did tonight.
1: Yeah, I mean – seeing 40 in college just hits different. Like, it's it's nuts. And, man, it's just... RJ's step back creates so much space. It is actually ridiculous. For him to be as small as he is and not have any length, the way he just attacks space and creates gaps, it's nuts. Like, Like, the one he hit from the right wing... Um, I it, I think it was the six three he made the one before mm-hmm. the last where yeah. he did the snatch back. Oh my god, I was like, nah, this is, this is insane. But yeah, I mean, it it does suck. There was definitely some negatives, but I think that was the RJ just solidified himself as the ACC Player of the Year game. So for that, I will rejoice. Um, all right, so three games, two at home. You got stayed at home. You got Notre Dame at home. And then you got the finale at Duke, so essentially you have to you have to refresh me here. So two and one would mean a and UNC and Duke tie, and if that one loss is to Duke, with a head to head split, what's the next tiebreaker? Is it strength of schedule?
2: I want. I'm pretty sure it's record against the other like top teams. I don't know exactly how it works, but.
1: Which is interesting because, yeah, I think it is. But, you know, one and no against UVA, one and no against Wake, one and one against Clemson. Um,
2: and I think Duke will probably end up with being one and no against Virginia, one and one against Wake, one and no against Clemson. <laughs> so, do you go down to Pitt and Carolina's one and no against Pitt, Duke's one and one, and maybe Carolina still gets the tiebreaker?
1: Yeah, see, I don't know how that works. Like, I guess you just go down. So, like, they're both, like you said, both undefeated against UVA. Duke has lost to Wake. UNC doesn't. UNC has lost to Clemson. Duke doesn't. So, yeah, then I guess you would go to Pitt. Or, you know, if we take care of business Saturday, Duke's kind of known for struggling at PNC, which they still have to go. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's just such a weird, such a weird situation to be in. But, You know, let's just take that hypothetical hypothetical out of the out of the equation for a second. So three March games left before the conference tournament. UNC is twenty two and six. If they win out, they are the outright winners, obviously. And getting a win at Duke would probably launch them in a position where they're going to be a super high end two, or depending on what else happens, they could be a low end one. What is your prediction?
2: I said this two weeks ago, and I'm sticking by it. I think Carolina goes 3-0. and I think they, after that Syracuse loss, I said we're, Carolina's going to run the table. They are three games into that, three more to go. Might as well, might, you got you won the first three, might as well win the second three.
1: Yeah, for sure. Where are now you at for the – NC State and Notre Dame – at home, it's two wins. And for the sake of the of, of the the podcast and the and the rules and the specifications we have in place <laughs> here, we're gonna lose to Duke at Duke on on March ninth. Um, might as well not even show up. Yeah, we might as well just go ahead and pack it in, like. Jared McCain's going to have a fresh set. Like, he's going to be ready to go. Which, listen, it it was refreshing to see Duke lose, and not just because it's Duke and we cheer when they lose, but for the simple fact that ever since UNC had beat them, they had looked, like, really freaking good. And I was starting to get a little concerned that they were going to run the table. Up until the UNC game, and then it'd be a must-win for UNC. Mm. Um, so it was a little—it was refreshing to see them lose. And of course, you know we do like seeing Duke lose in general. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's—I gotta say—they're gonna lose that game for uh, undisclosed reasons. That if you've been listening to this pod, you know why I'm saying that. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, there's just no way, like. NC State's going to put up a fight, but there's just no way we should not beat Notre Dame by, like, 15-plus.
2: I agree. I keep thinking that these ACC teams have quit on the season. I said that about Syracuse going into the game at Syracuse, and they beat us. I said that about Miami multiple times. I was like, oh, this team is checked out. They're done. And lo and behold, it's amazing how much energy you can get after a full court press. So, <laughs> in theory, I feel like Notre Dame should have quit on the season too. But Shrews is such a good coach; they almost came back from being down twenty nine against Syracuse. That, like, I I am probably irrationally nervous about Notre Dame. Yeah, and it just I know I that. Ca- I guess Carolina really did dominate Virginia Tech wire to wire in that game at home. I just, it's been a while since they've. They've had a win that's left me feeling like I felt after the Duke game or after the Wake Forest game or after the first Syracuse game where it was like, oh, wow, this Carolina team, there is never a doubt, and they end up winning by – I know they only beat Duke by nine, but it felt bigger than that. But and They won by 20, those other two games, 20-plus. And I just – For my mental sanity, (laughs) for my confidence in this team come tournament time, I just need to see it one more time. Just pick one of these games, NC State or or Notre Dame, handle business from the jump, come out swinging, get a 20-point home dub.
1: I'm with it. I mean, they beat Virginia Tech by 15, but it just still didn't – it didn't feel like those other ones. I don't know how to explain it. It just didn't. I mean – Yeah. And I think maybe that's partially because – we hadn't really seen the 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 lapses when those other ones happened. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're kind of more accustomed to it now, so mm-hmm. we're looking for it more. But I, I think I think they're fine. I'm gonna be very happy um with a two or a three here. Um I, I still think UNC has better basketball to play ahead of them. I really do. I think Cormac is finally getting going. I think Ingram's just going to continue to be a big game player. is going to continue to be a big game player. RJ is just freaking RJ Davis. Cadeau's on the up. And, you know, if we can just keep getting one of either Washington, Trimble, or Withers to provide good bench minutes, I really like this team a lot, man. Also, special shout-out, Jonathan Javoni, the draft legend. Three UNC Tar Heels projected in the top 35 of the 2025 mock draft. Drake Powell at 10. Mr. Jackson at 18. And Mr. Cadeau at 35. So, not looking real good for the uh, we have more NBA players than you crowds out there. I will say it's going to be nice. I don't think we've had multiple NBA draft picks on a team in quite some time, especially first-rounders.
2: Long ways away. Future's bright,
1: though. Absolutely. Any final thoughts before we get out of here, Riley?
2: On one hand, I apologize for the negativity. On the other hand, we're Carolina. We need to act like a title contender, play like a title contender, but I'll I'll close on some positivity and, again, just say thank you, R.J. Davis. That was peak television. It was theater, as we have said on this show before. And I'm very grateful you are a Tar Heel.
1: As am I. Best player in the ACC. Best guard in the country. We love that man. Now we're going to go rest our vocal cords so we can talk about <laughs> how much we hate NC State after Saturday. till then, be safe. Go Heels. See you guys next time.